Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88,000. Happy Mother's Day. I uh, hope all the ladies in the house feel honored today. And uh, I have the privilege and honor of sharing the stage today with Cody. Uh, Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. I'm a little, it is a little bit selfishly motivated. My entire life, my birthday is May 13th. And so I've shared my birthday with Mother's Day my whole life. And, but it actually has worked out economically for us uh, as a couple because we just decided it's like, Mother's Day's here, my birthday's here. Can we just truce? Truce. Can we just not like we love each other? And then my her birthday falls a lot on Father's Day. And so the this holiday has actually saved our family thousands of dollars over the years. Uh, just not having to buy presents for everything. And so uh, but I love you, baby. You're a really, really good mom. Thank and, you. Happy uh, birthday. And, and happy Mother's Day to my uh, mom as well down here on the front row. Uh, she did a pretty good job with me. And uh, being her favorite, that was kind of just, the, I was the easiest, you know? And so the other two, by Usually the it God, is the easiest that is your favorite. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, if we're just being honest. So if you're a kid in here. Just be the easy one. If you want you to win. be the favorite, stop being a pill. And maybe you'll get some favor. Uh, we're up here. We're going we're gonna to talk about things that you fight for. And uh, we don't have a perfect marriage. We don't have a perfect family. We don't have perfect kids. Um, but we do know something that is important to fight for. When I think about fights over history, uh, great fights like uh, Muhammad Ali versus Joe Frazier, uh, Tyson versus Holyfield. He bit uh, his ear off. How many of y'all remember watching that fight? Like, I remember it happening, and I'm like, what? <laughs> like, his, like his ear's gone. It's just like, that dude's a little bit messed up, I think. Uh, and then uh, David and Goliath, we all know about that. Even Peter and Paul got into a squabble. Uh, Cody and I, I know this is hard to believe. We have had We had a fight dis- before. We had a fight before. We've had some spirited disagreements. And uh, I think if we were going to, if we thought about like, what's the, the major fight? We both think of we, the same we, one. <laughs> exact same fight every single time. This is early in our marriage, within the first few months of being married. and uh, Because early on, before there's children to hold you accountable, you will do some very stupid, stupid things. Yeah, you'll throw down, right? And some of you still will do that in front of your kids. And, you know, you should stop that. But, but kids do help keep you accountable to where it's like, okay, you know, you, you say a lot more stuff through your teeth before you can get into a closed door like in another room. And uh, so both of, neither one of us can remember exactly the details of what Surely started. Surely it was about money though. It was about money. Although ironically we had no we money. Had no so money. <laughs> it wasn't a whole lot to fight about, but that was probably what was causing it. Yeah. We were just stressed because uh, I, I was newly in ministry. She was, had, was found a job, but we just, we were poor. <laughs> it was, we had nothing. And, uh, and so long story short, this fight escalated to and culminated where we're both outside in the driveway. She is sitting in her lipstick red Ford Escort. Because I got mad, so I was going to leave. She was going to leave. I was out. 
And I'm like, no, the, the word of God says, do not let the sun set on your, you know? So I'm like, I'm like, no, we're gonna resolve this. You're not, you're not leaving. You, we're, gonna, we're, we're gonna work this out. So I'm and standing. I had a resolve. I had an answer in mind. Yeah, what was the answer? So I wasn't gonna get divorced because I knew that was wrong. So I was running him over. Yeah, so I'm, so I'm standing in front of her car She's revving the engine as I'm standing in front of the car and I'm telling her, get out. We're gonna work through this. She's like, I'm going to run you over. I was not 50%. I was not unsure. I was settled. It was happening. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, I, I could tell by looking at her, she's like, she's, she's gonna kill me. So, so I, I, I said this, I said, okay, here, here's the deal. That's fine. If you drive out of this driveway, as soon as you're out of this driveway, I'm calling the cops and reporting this car stolen. I'm going to do it, okay? And I was like, well, I can't have that on my record. Right, so, so here's the logic. She'll go to prison for murder, but she doesn't want to go to jail for stealing a car or having that on her record. I think okay. they would have understood the murder. Okay. They would have called it murder. Uh, yes, they would have. Absolutely. So anyway, and uh, and here we are today. I know you can't wait to hear what we have to share with you. <laughs> oh, but here's the deal. This is what we have learned uh, through hopefully some maturing. Uh, through ebbs and flows of life, we have learned, man, there is some things that are worth fighting for. If most of us are honest, most of the fights that we've ever had in our homes on any level, they're usually over pretty dumb stuff. Mm-hmm. They're usually not over stuff that are eternal. They're, they're not over heaven and hell issues. They're usually over just stuff that we get selfish about, we get prideful about, and it just leads to these arguments. But, but there is something that if you are raising a family, single mom, single parent, whatever the structure of your home is, there is something worth fighting for, and that is it's worth fighting for a godly family. Mm-hmm. It is worth fighting for having an awesome, godly family. And I choose the word fight intentionally because families are not going to be godly or awesome by accident. On accident, families are dysfunctional, they're broken, they're callous, they're lost, they have no joy, they have no hope. Uh, you have to fight for your family to be great because there's all kinds of things in culture and society that are gonna come against your family. There's spiritual forces, and it's important to know that. Like, there's not a demon under every rock, but you have to know this. Satan hates everything that God establishes. He hates it all. He hates biblical marriage. He hates the structure of the family. He hates moms and dads. He hates kids. He hates anything that God has tried to create Satan hates it and he wants it to completely disintegrate. He wants it to fall apart. So you have to know that because if you don't know that you're in a spiritual battle, if you don't know that you wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the evil one, against the father of lies, if you don't know that, then you're gonna find yourself in the boxing ring of life fighting the wrong opponent over and over and over again. Uh, There's also economic forces, okay? Look, when the bank account starts going down, sometimes it can be difficult to keep your family up. It can be difficult to keep relationships strong when the stresses and the anxieties, all that. And some of you may be feeling that right now. There's moral forces, just temptations and desires, the things that war inside of us. There's also cultural forces. 
especially in this day and age, these outside influences, the pressure, the things that all of the world is saying, if you don't do this, you're gonna be a failure, you're gonna be a loser. And, and that pours into sports and style and trends and cultural mindsets and cultural values. All of those things fight against your family. When it, families of Jerusalem, 2,000 years or just over 2,000 years ago, were under attack, the leader, Nehemiah, he said this to the people in Nehemiah 4.14. After I looked things over, okay, so he's just walking around this city. He's checking out the wall. He's checking out the defenses because he knew that there were gonna be people groups that were gonna be coming against the city. I stood up and said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. Everybody say, remember the Lord. You need to remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes, another translation, fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, wives, and your homes. He's saying families are worth fighting for. Families are worth fighting for. Don't just give up and say, no, it can't change. It can't be any different. It's too late. Or some of you might say, I wish I would have known this when I was younger. Now that you're older, you can still make an impact. I promise you, God can and will redeem time if you allow him. God says that he can make your latter years even greater than your former years. He can help you do in five years what would have taken you 20 years. And he can re reconcile and heal in a short amount of time what maybe you feel like you spent a lifetime messing up. God can win back time. He wants to do that for you. So we're gonna look, we're gonna go back and forth in between two different books. We're gonna be in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and then also in the book of Proverbs chapter 31. We're gonna look at the life of David and equivocate that to what we can raise up in our sons in the Proverbs 31 woman, the qualities to fight for in our daughters. And as we talk about these, I wanna encourage you, these are not qualities that children are born with. These are not qualities that my kids have and yours don't. These are not qualities that one of your kid has and the other doesn't. These are qualities that are available to us all. The word says that he has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And that includes 1 Samuel 16 and Proverbs 31. And so these are qualities that we train into our children. These are qualities that we pray and speak and believe over them. These are qualities that we have to build into them and believe over them, not qualities they come by naturally. Just like James says, they're qualities we fight for. So the first quality to fight for in our sons, uh, our main text, 1 Samuel 16, 18. Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Did I do that right yeah. that time? Nailed awesome. it, Bethlehemite. Okay, it took me five times for service. So Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence. And the Lord is with him. All right, so that first quality, skillful, skillful. The Bible says that a man's gift makes room for him in life. And that is a skill that you have to develop. Uh, but a lot of times it will begin to present itself. It'll stand out. There is a temptation 
and maybe culture puts this on, uh, this on us and it sounds good, like that we wanna have well-rounded kids. We wanna have well-rounded young men, well-rounded boys, okay? But God has put something in them that he means to stand out, that he has, has put in them that is going to be a strength. But here's the deal. To be skilled, it takes time and discipline and dedication. It takes getting up when you fail and trying again. A lot of people live by fantasies in life rather than a God-given dream. We have to help our young men see that there is a big dream that God has for their life that they cannot accomplish without him, but he's also given them the skill to accomplish that. A lot of people that don't understand that and don't fight for that, they live in a fantasy. And a fantasy is basically you being your own false prophet. It's you pursuing things that are not God's plan, not God, part of God's will, and it's your own dream. It's not God's dream. God has given a dream to the young men. God has given dreams to your sons, but they have to understand this. There are three stages in any God-given dream. The first stage, motivation. The last stage, the manifestation of that dream. Do you know what phase is in the middle? Perspiration. They're gonna have to work. They're gonna have to sweat. You have to teach your sons. We've gotta teach our sons to sweat for something, to get good at something, to develop it, to focus, to hone the skill. That's exactly what David did. In Proverbs 22, six, it says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. In the way, in the Hebrew, it means towards their natural bend. God has already put a bent in them for their life. And that bent in them will lead them to success. They will be fruitful, they'll be skillful. And when they get old, they'll be able to live off of that bend, the fruit of that bend. But we have to help them recognize it. We have to see it and then we have to breathe life into it. But then they have to train it. They have to train that skill. And when I say skill within this context, You'll be able to identify what skill it is when that skill helps for the betterment of the world around them, helps for the betterment of people around them, okay? Ultimately, attached to the Holy Spirit, it'll bring God glory and it will build his kingdom. That's the skill, okay? So all the extracurriculars, they're fine. They're fine. But you have to understand that depending on your motive within that, those skills are not ultimately gonna be the skills that are gonna last them for the rest of their life and they're not the godly skills that he's trying to hone them into. Okay, so when it comes to sports, we have a couple of kids that play sports. Most of our kids are not athletic. They get that from me, okay? And, but when our kids play sports, the number one skill that we want our kids to get out of playing sports is people skills. Mm -hmm. That's the primary skill. They have to understand what it's like to work with other people, to work with other people that they don't always like. They have to understand what it means to be able to submit under difficult leadership and coaches and people that are just hard to get along with, people that are mean, people that are difficult, okay? That's what we use sports for because if you haven't read the stats, you need to read the stats, okay? Most of our kids are not gonna wind up playing professional sports. 
Most of our kids are not even gonna get scholarships to play sports after high school, okay? But even if they do, you have to hone, you have to train and they have to train the skill that will last them way beyond that for the rest of their life. Lean into that. Help them understand they have to sweat, train, and develop that skill for the glory of God. What are the qualities similar, of five foreign Similar daughters? for the girls. Proverbs 31, 13 says, she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. Listen, the Lord has given us all a job to do. Before God gave Eve to Adam, God gave Adam a job. So ladies, if you're single, if he don't have a job. He ain't for you. He ain't for you yet, okay? <laughs> he needs to get a job first. I know every family structure is different and even every season is different, but there is one thing that is constant and that is God has designed for you to have your hands full. He doesn't expect you to be busy or his desire for you is not to be busy, but it is to be fruitful. And um, as a woman, this is constant. Sometimes I'm mom of the year. Sometimes I wash AirPods. It's about balance. And I am not a perfect mom. I am working hard to just be an okay mom. And I'm really proud to be an okay mom. One of our girls when she was younger, I told her no, and she got upset, and she said, I want a different mommy, one that doesn't say no, and one that has tattoos. You don't even have any. So I don't know how many tattoos you have, but if you have more than none, you win. You are mom of the year because I'm missing out. But as women, we are multitaskers, and it's one of the things that God has called you to as women is to do both to do both at the same time. And we have to train this in our daughters that you might not be a morning bird, but you have to be a morning bird. Or you might be a night owl that is forced to be a morning bird. You might not be good at algebra and have to do algebra while you load the dishwasher. You are catching vomit and zipping a prom dress. You are doing both at the same time. As a mother, you are giving and giving and giving in some seasons more than others. There's a lot of days when I wake and I'm still tired from the day before. And I have to put on, I have to remind myself what's available to me that I can be refreshed and I can get up and do the work again. Because as a woman, I'm called to work long hours and I'm work, called to work even after the feeling wears off, even when it doesn't feel like it's the job I wanna do or feel like it's not fulfilling. I know it's what the Lord has called me to. The Proverbs 31 woman doesn't search for the most glamorous job. She doesn't search for the easiest work. She simply looks at her hands and does what's in her hands. She does the work that's in her hands. She doesn't see the work as a curse. She knows it's life-giving and it's fulfilling. And here's the key. She knows that when she works, she looks like her father. The word says the Lord works and she identifies through her with her heavenly father through that work. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. So that quality is work hard and do not resent it. Another quality to fight for in the young men, that they would be a man of war. I love this point. Uh, David's parents, they didn't just raise a son, they raised a soldier. David was a man of war even at a young age, uh, a young man ready to stand up. Okay, so here's the deal. Like, I, 
some of us, uh, many men and women in this church, they serve in our armed forces and we're so thankful for their willingness to count the ultimate cost and price to fight and secure our freedoms and the freedoms and liberties of other people. Uh, but, but most of us are not gonna be in a physical war, but we are certainly in a spiritual war. And, and our sons have to understand that war. And we have to raise young men to understand uh, what it means to fight for the things of God, that they stand up for biblical principles, men with holy convictions, not passive, not pushovers, not doormats, a young man with some fight in him who can face the incoming fire from culture and the world around him and not get his feelings hurt and not get offended, but stand on the truth and the confidence of who he is in Christ and have some fight in them. Our church, the universal church, needs young men with masculinity, with toughness, and even some aggressiveness, 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 but all under the fruit of the Spirit, and primarily the fruit of the Spirit of self-control. But we need all those things, a spirit that doesn't quit, that doesn't throw in the towel, that fights, that fights. As I look at the boys around me these days, I fear that when it comes to these boys, we're raising stronger, bigger, faster quitters. There's not a lot of perseverance in this culture. There's not a lot of stick to it. And it's like, I, I'm just, I, I'm gonna stand up. I'm gonna be strong. We have to have a spirit of perseverance. David had this, Jesus had this. And this quality has to be forged into our sons. And moms, you can do this in a strong, firm, but nurturing way. And you can help even the, the, the father figure, the male figures around you learn from how you do it with your sons. Because sometimes the men, it's just like, toughen up, okay? Sometimes that conversation needs to happen, but sometimes we need to lead with influence first. Moms, you do this really well. As I think about my life, growing up as a young man, I'm thankful for all the things that my parents did, uh, that my dad did to forge perseverance inside of me. Growing up, having livestock and horses and mules and cows, it was not fun getting up before the sun was up on an early Colorado winter morning and go breaking up the ice on the water trough for our animals. That wasn't fun, it was hard. It wasn't fun bucking bales in the summertime as a young man. It wasn't fun cutting down trees, chopping wood, and getting ready for the winter and the fall. Those things weren't fun, but they developed in me perseverance. We've gotta be willing to do stuff that are hard. That's what develops it, doing hard things. And we have to train our young men to fight for those things. Proverbs 31 uh, verse 20, she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. Listen, if there's one thing I know as a mom that I can quickly get consumed with the needs of my own home. It's a lot just keeping up with my own family and my own responsibility. The laundry, the meals, the dishes, the Amazon returns, it all stacks And there's up. a lot of those, by the way, but a lot. How many of you ladies have a designated point like or a part basket or a for all bench, of your Amazon yes. returns? Raise your hand. Be honest, okay? Yes. Oh, just my mom. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm wow. sure she's the only one. There we go. Thank you for being honest in church, mom. 
The second quality we have to fight for in our daughters is their ability to turn their attention to those in need. Because the Proverbs 31 woman didn't just tend to the needs of her own home, but she looked, at, looked outside of her circle and saw how else she could meet needs. She evaluated what was in her hand already and gave from that. She didn't give beyond her means or give in a way that it put her home in an unright way. She gave from what she had. A few weeks ago when the tornado came through, that next morning I loaded up our four children and showed up in Jacksonville on the scene. And you might think this is irresponsible for a woman to show up by herself with four children uh, at the scene of a natural disaster. But it's important to us that our kids see needs. It's important to us that our kids not only see needs, but see us doing whatever we can, even when we don't have all of the ability or can run a chainsaw or even know what to do. You definitely don't want any of my kids running a chainsaw. Not at this point. We'll, we'll work on it. but That we have willing hands. And that's what it's important for our kids to see. I come... Um, my mom is amazing. She is a godly woman. She's a prophetic woman. She's always looking to serve other people. And a while back, she took our kids shopping and got them little toiletry bags and helped them pick out things to fill these bags, toiletry items, bottles of water and whatnot, and stocked our cars with them. So when we came across people that had need. The kids could hand out these bags. I love that she saw a tangible need and invited our children in. When we invite our kids in, it marks them. They see, I can help too. I have influence too. I can be changed too. It's important for our kids to see that. So get your kids out there, whether it's signing up for a missions trip this summer, going to adopt a block, there is constantly somewhere you can connect alongside with your children and serve for them to have an opportunity for ministry. And not only outside of your home or outside of church, inside your own home, this can happen. Once in a while, we'll just ask the kids, hey, will you get your sister's plate? Boys, will you collect the girl's plate? Or girls, will you clear the table for the boys? And it's not a consequence. It's not a punishment. It's just simply training them to serve in the home, teaching the girls to serve their brothers or vice versa. It marks them. Another quality to fight for in our young men, to be prudent. Prudent. Uh, this wasn't always the easiest thing for me growing up to learn and apply. Controlling my tongue uh, was a challenge. I know it might be hard for some of you to believe Surprise. that I didn't always just say whatever I was thinking. Uh, but I, I, how many of you spent a lot of time sitting in the hallway outside of a classroom when you were in school? Anybody in the house? Uh, here's the deal. I wanted to be the class clown. And when it came to arguments, I didn't want just the last word. I wanted the first word and all the middle words too. I wanted all the words. And, uh, and it, it has gotten, it, that has been one of the things that has caused a little bit of an issue sometimes with Cody and I. We've had some spirited conversations. Uh, because I'm working on being good with my words also. You know, she doesn't need to work on it. She's very good with her words. Like, I told her at one point, it's like, baby, you should have been a lawyer because you'd be making way more money as a lawyer than I'm ever going to make as a pastor. Uh, she's good with words. But, but I just had a difficult time always being wise. 
being slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to anger, abounding in love. That's what we pray over our kids. That's what we encourage them with. We have to train our young men. They don't have to say everything they're thinking. And we know that Solomon asked God for wisdom, but he had to have somebody model what wisdom looked like to know what to ask for. And I can tell by reading about David, he was prudent. He was slow to speak. And when he did speak, it was always forward thinking. It was with a lot of clarity. It was with vision. And so I think it's incredibly important. And this is not something that's just gonna happen on accident. You're gonna have to be very intentional to call your sons out when they're not being wise with their words. Words count. They count. The word says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. And what our young men do with their words, man, it, 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 the word says that it can set the whole course of a person's life on fire. Okay? And so they have to begin to learn prudence, being careful, being cautious. We have not arrived at this in our family. Uh, there have been times that we have struggled mightily with being prudent, with being wise with our words. Uh, a few years ago, I've told this story before, a few years ago, uh, when our kids were younger, one of our kids, he was in first grade in, in, uh, in Kid Life, and uh, one of the Kid Life workers came to me in between services, they, and they said, hey, Pastor James, we've got a major problem. And I said, okay, what's the major problem? Uh, one of the kids is saying the F word over and over and over again back in kid life. And I said, yes, that's a problem that, you, that, that can't happen. You need to go and, and talk with their parent and come up with a plan. And the worker said, I am talking to their parent right now <laughs> to try to come up with a plan. <laughs> this is that conversation. Yeah, yeah. So they get that from Cody, obviously, but it's uh, <laughs> not true. Uh, and so we're working on it. We're working on it. Uh, but it is worth fighting for. There was a principle that one of my professors taught us in Bible school, the 25% rule. And basically it was this, just because you know a lot doesn't mean everyone else has to know how much you know. Practice only saying 25% of what you actually know and, and be more intentional about asking questions. Prudence. Proverbs 31, verse 22, she makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. If we're gonna raise the daughters God has called us to, we have to give beauty its rightful definition. I love that the Bible doesn't pass this by. The Lord knows you. He knows, he made you, woman. He knows what he put you on this earth for. And it's to help bring beauty. It's to nurture and it's to bring forth life. So she knows her worth. She's selective in what she wears and in her clothes. She honors God with how she dresses. She's not a distraction. She does dress well. Do you hear me? She's coordinated. She's got it together. Her sarong, her sandals, whatever, they match. But hear me on this because I know I'm right. It's not about looking pretty. It's about feeling pretty. It's about how you feel. It's not about how you look. Listen, this is not the same for the gentleman. There has never been a man slumped in the corner with his arms crossed pouting because he didn't feel pretty. Well, there might be a couple, but... But it ain't right. 
It ain't right. You're not pretty. And you're not supposed to feel pretty. Sorry, moving on. I just, I don't know how to, like, pull it back after that. But you're used to it by now, baby. This is going to happen the rest of your life. Mm. Good luck. You're getting really good at pulling it back in and getting focused. Good job. Our, our culture is obsessed with appearance, and you know that. You know this, but when you, when, when our daughters are going to base how they feel on how they look, their identity is going to be wrapped around their appearance and they are going to ride a roller coaster the rest of their life. When you base how you feel off of how you look, you're going to be up and you're going to be down. You have a bad hair day, a kid's going to get slapped. It doesn't go right. The world goes wrong. The world bombards us with advertising that says, how you look is not enough. Your appearance is not good enough. And some of us, some of you, compare yourself to how you looked when you were 18 or how your body looked before you celebrated Mother's Day, if you know what I mean. It's different. Here's the truth. Beauty is fleeting. Proverbs says it. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Every time I hear that verse, I think of DC Talk. Anybody else? Nobody? Okay. I want to just talk about this from the perspective of, of a dad uh, and as your pastor. One of the things that I'm trying to teach and train our boys is that if there is a girl who's constantly trying to bait them for compliments, if there is a girl who is clearly insecure about how she looks, steer clear. Steer clear because you cannot be their Jesus. You cannot be their identity. And if you get stuck in that, it's going to be a world of hurt. It's, it's not going to be fun. So I remember this analogy that I heard, I think, when I was in, in, in a youth group um, that I've used a couple of times. Uh, I would venture to say that none of us, maybe even maybe a couple of us, have ever seen a commercial for a Lamborghini. The reason why you don't see commercials for Lamborghinis is because the Lamborghini company knows what they have and they're confident in it. They don't have to market their product. They don't have to advertise their product because they know the value of their product. And, and they know that people will pay ridiculous amounts of money for their product, even if they never advertise it, okay? To contrast that, if you go and watch TV for a couple of hours this afternoon, you're going to see 36 Hyundai commercials. And the reason why you're going to see these commercials for all these other cars is because all those other cars are trying to convince you of their worth. They're trying to convince you that they are what you should buy, that what you should spend. They're trying to convince you that you'll be happy with their product by advertising their product. We have to fight to raise young women that never have to advertise their product because they know their value in Jesus Christ. Amen. Where they are modest and confident, where they can be bold and powerful with a perfect balance of meekness. That's the kinds of women that we have to fight to raise. So yes, she is wearing fine linen and purple, which represents royalty. But the word says, more than that, she clothes herself in strength. She clothes herself in dignity. And that looks three ways. That's in three areas. Her mind, she guards her thoughts. She guards what's set before her eyes. Her body, her arms are strong because she's put her hands to work. Not to compete with the world, but to complete what God has put before her. Her spirit, 
it's strong. She feeds her spirit. She's fed inner beauty because she is consistent in reading the word. She's consistent in prayer. She's consistent in community. Our daughters have to get this early on because otherwise they're going to ride that roller coaster going up and down. They're going to mask what's happening on the inside with their image on the outside. If you show me a woman that spends her life developing inner beauty, I will show you a beautiful woman. No doubt about it. She glows. She is radiant. And how do we do this? It's small daily exercises. It's tiny reps. It's getting up the next day and doing the next right choice. Amen. And the last quality to fight for in our sons, a man of good presence. That's what David was. Uh, basically, it just means that he took care of himself. He took care of himself physically, his hair and clothes, his posture, like he walked like a man. This is important. I'll, I'll, I'll say this to our boys. If they're playing a sport or they're doing something and something happens that could be disappointing, sometimes you can physically see they'll slump over, their head will fall. But sometimes it's happening in their heart and you know that. And so there's a phrase that I'll say, hold your head up and your shoulders back. Hold your head up and your shoulders back. Because I want them to know that their presence has influence. The way they carry themselves, God can use them as a leader. God can use them as a thermostat to their culture instead of all the thermometers in their culture that just read the temperature. But they have to walk in their presence their godly, good presence is a part of this. A lot of times, it's not natural for men to care that much about what we look like or how we carry ourselves. Uh, a great example, a woman can go stand in front of a mirror and analyze and criticize themselves for an hour. A Bob, a big old boy will go stand in front of that same mirror and be like, man, you got it going on today. Look at you, sexy, all right? Okay, so clearly... We don't have a great perception of those things, but here's the deal. Men, we at least have to understand that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit, okay? So we gotta take care of it. Don't make it an idol. Don't make it an idol, but don't treat it like a dumpster either. Eat healthy, exercise. We have to teach and train these young men the proper way to bathe, right? And, and usually they need to start using deodorant a lot earlier than they think they need to use deodorant. Dress well, carry yourself like a man, move with purpose in life. Uh, back when we used to lead a lot of teams on missions trips and we go into dangerous countries and dangerous situations, we'd always tell our team, hey, when we move, we move with purpose. We move like we know exactly where we're going, even if we don't know where we're going every time. Because what makes you vulnerable is where you're just looking around like you don't know what's going on. That sets you up to be a target. The same thing happens spiritually. If we don't train our young men to move through life with purpose, like God has given them something and they're gonna move towards that, and even their physical being represents that confidence that they're moving with purpose, then it sets them up to just look around, open to the enemy, open to anything that could come and tempt them and drag them back away from God's purpose, his identity in him. A man of good presence. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. We have to fight for our sons 
to put away childish things and become the men that God's called them to be. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. I want to pray for you. Look, I know some of you might feel like you are in a trial right now. You are struggling and uh, you may feel like you don't have a lot of hope. You may feel very defeated, uh, especially if you're trying to raise a child. Uh, whatever, if you're their, their, their natural parent or their foster parent or you're a grandparent, whatever it is, I just want to encourage you, lean into the presence of God. Lean into his word. What I find is God uses trials to train us in the ways of the kingdom to teach us who we are as sons and daughters of the King. And so if we can do that, it'll set the example for these daughters and sons that we're raising, that they don't just give up when trial happens. When you're young and you have problems with your parents, it's so easy to just rebel. When you're at a job or at work and you have a disagreement with a boss or a coworker, you can just quit. And sometimes in families, when you have conflict, in marriage, when you have conflict, you can just plan to walk away. But I find typically we are tired because we habitually run from the trial that he wants to use for our training. And if we won't abandon it, if we don't retreat, God's gonna cultivate in us a kingdom mindset and a kingdom principle the word says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds because those trials develop perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that we may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We have to live that way as an example. And then we have to breathe that and speak that in to our sons and daughters. I wanna just pray, or Cody's gonna pray for all the moms in the house. Father, I just lift up every woman in this house to you. God, I thank you for the gift that you've placed on her life, the gift to nurture and bring forth life. God, I thank you for every season of motherhood, every mother in this house, whether it is plenty or it is lack. God, you know it and you see it. You are the God that sees. And I thank you that today you see her, you speak that over her. I see you. I see thankless jobs. I see loss. I see early mornings. I see late nights. I see you. God, thank you that you are the lifter of her head. You crown her. You call her beautiful. Thank you that you put grace on her and you give her grace to do it again, to go another day. Thank you that you give grace to the single mom. Thank you that you give grace to the mom that has experienced loss. Thank you that you give grace to the mom that feels like I screwed it up for the last time. Lord, you are grace. You come down and your word says that you put our, your perfect on our brokenness and you make it right. And so I thank you that you do that for her. We celebrate her today and we thank you for her, honor her in Jesus' name. Let's just stay in an attitude of prayer, heads bowed, eyes closed. The theme in so much of what we're talking about today, raising sons and daughters and fighting for this, it happens through understanding who we are in Christ. It's an identity in Christ. And there might be a couple of you 
maybe even some of you today that you don't have that identity in Christ and it may be because you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And so if you're a mom or a dad and you're trying to raise kids, but you don't have an identity with Christ, I'm sorry, but, but you're the primary line of defense. You're the primary authority, the primary influence that God has placed in your child's life and bringing them to church can help. But at the end of the day, God has called you to live out the example, but you cannot do that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. If you haven't placed your identity in Christ, you can't expect that any child that you would raise is not gonna struggle as well. And I wanna give you an opportunity, not just so that you're a better mom or a better dad, but so that you can be what God created you to be all along, and that is his son and his daughter. And if you're here today and you feel like you're just away from God, you don't have a relationship with him for whatever reason, you said a prayer at one point, but you don't feel close to him now, you feel distant from him, and you know that the Holy Spirit is saying that today is the day that you surrender your life. Today is the day that you enter into a real personal relationship with your heavenly Father through his son, Jesus. And if you know that you need that and you're ready to surrender to that, you're gonna have a lot of people around you praying for you. They're gonna keep their eyes closed. But if you're willing to be bold and just confess that you need him, I want you to put your hand up right now. Make eye contact with me. As soon as I see you, you can put your hand down. You say, I need to call on Jesus as my Lord and Savior today. Yes, sir, got it, thank you. Anyone else? I need Jesus. I'm away from him, I need to call on him. I got you, sir. Proud of you, bro. I respect that. Anybody else? I need to call on Jesus today as my Lord and Savior. I'm away from him. I'm away from him. I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of pretending like I've got it together. I don't, I'm broken and I need a Savior. Anyone else? Father God, I thank you. I might have seen one, maybe two hands, but even if it was just for them, you would have sent your son, Jesus. And you need to know that he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He's got a plan for you. And we're just gonna talk to him right now. You just say, Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. I believe that you came and died on the cross for my sin and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you rose from the grave. You defeated sin, you defeated death so that I could have life and life to the full. I wanna be the person that you've called me, created me to be for the rest of my life. And I know the only way I can do that, I have to turn away from living for myself. I have to turn away from living the way the world would want me to live and I have to turn towards you. And I make the decision to do that right now. I turn towards you, I repent and I turn towards you. I thank you, Father, for meeting with them. And I thank you, Father, for your grace, your mercy, the power of your Holy Spirit, the standard of your word that helps us to be the people that you've called us to be, to be the moms, the dads, the sons, the daughters that you've called us to be. We thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen.